the reality of what Christ has accomplished for us, we get to be partakers of that and have true fellowship, true communion with Jesus during this time. It's, it's so much more than just taking up the bread and taking up the juice. He invites us into true communion with Him during this time. As we get to become partakers of that which He has accomplished for all those who are in Christ Jesus. And the passage that hit my mind and heart in relation to our time of communion here today was from the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would turn to this. It's in Isaiah chapter 53, and I just want to read through this. As Isaiah is prophetically speaking about the one who is coming and that which he was going to accomplish. It's an amazing reality what he has accomplished before telling of Jesus' work, ministry, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. All of these things were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In other words, there wasn't anything outward that would draw us to Him. No outward beauty. He is despised and rejected by men. He didn't come to this world being highly received by the world, but rather was identified as someone who is despised and actually more than not rejected by men. John reminds us that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Amen? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But this affliction that he experienced, notice this here in verse 5. Notice who this affliction, why this affliction was experienced by Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, by his stripes we are healed. Why did we need that? Why did we need that work to happen for us? Because verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. There's no one who's exempt from this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Became guilty in our place. The one who had never sinned, who knew no sin, became sin for us. Became guilty. 
of every single sin that we have ever committed, every single sin that we maybe are committing, every single sin that we will commit, he became guilty of that. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet, in all of this, he, he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before it shears, he is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He truly was killed on that cross. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He only spoke truth. Remember Pilate asking, what is truth? The ultimate answer to the question is found in verse 10. Here's the question. The question of who ultimately crucified Jesus? Who ultimately crucified Jesus? Now there's several different answers that can be given. And they wouldn't necessarily be wrong if you say we did because of our sin. I would say, yeah, you're right. You could say the Roman soldiers. Say Pilate, you can talk about all of these different people who have a role in Christ being crucified, and you would be right. Say his own people crucified him, right? And yet, Jesus wanted to be really clear that nobody was taking his life from him. Didn't he say that? He said, I lay my life down willingly so that I may take it up again. So that I may resurrect. I have power both to lay it down and also to raise it up again. So I like to say, and not just I like to say it because it's truth from the Word of God. The ultimate answer, ultimately, to the one who crucified Jesus was the Father. The Father crucified his Son. The Father poured His wrath that He has for sin and sinners upon His Son. It had to be that. And He was pleased to do it. Verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He has put Him to grief when you make His soul an offering for sin. It was the only offering that was sufficient. It was the only sacrifice that could accomplish the work that God wanted to accomplish. But he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify men. It's the only way that justification can take place, friends. For he shall bear their iniquities. 
someone had to pay. There was only one worthy. There was only one who could do that work. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide his spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressions, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for transgressors. Isn't that good news today? Hebrews tells us that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, where he always, he never takes a break, he always lives to make intercession for his own. This is why we celebrate communion. He called us to come together. And often as we gather together, we probably should honestly do this more often, if I were to be honest with you. To celebrate the reality. Do this in remembrance of me until I come again. And so it's a looking back at what Christ has accomplished for us. It's also looking forward to the return of our Savior, our King, who's coming back to receive us once again to Himself. Are you excited about that? Excited for that day? He's coming again. We're going to partake of this with Him face to face. That's going to be intense. It's going to be awesome. Who can partake here? You have to be a partner here at Church of Hope. You do not. You need to have bowed your knee to King Jesus. You need to have repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. You need to be born again. This table is the table of those. It's the table of the Lord. We come to commune with Him. We cannot commune with Him if we have not been born again. It's one of the ways that Paul warned that you can partake in an unworthy manner. That's one of the ways is, is to not be born again and partake. I, I advise you here this morning, do not do that. You don't know the Lord, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you're not born again. And, uh, and you should not partake here. But I will also put out there, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation, why would you wait for another day? Today that reality is sinking in. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Well then do that now. Cry out to the Lord for mercy. All those who come to him, he says he'll never cast out. Isn't that good? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What did it take? So if you do that today, then I would say yes. Partake of your first
but yours would be the other thing that I would encourage your parents simply because your child wants one because right <laughs> because everybody else is partaking that's not enough reason to allow them to partake okay and so take that seriously as well if you don't know that they surrender their lives to Jesus Christ this could be a teachable moment where you tell them what this is about but don't allow them to partake does that make sense